In a world where geek is now chic, what was once deemed nerdy or geeky has become fashionable. What used to be odd and different is now part of mainstream culture. The way we consume our entertainment has changed with the advent of new and meaningful technology. Comic books are no longer stories just for kids. They've become all-age entertainment with mature subject matter, rivaling the depth of the very best novelists. They've become a driving force behind a large portion of American entertainment. Costuming has gone from being a small but loyal subculture to a highly visible art form thanks to science fiction and comic book conventions that celebrate cosplay and fandom. Thanks to Marvel, DC, Star Wars, Star Trek, and many others, the movie landscape has changed forever. Through Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, The Walking Dead, and more, once genre shows are now mainstream rating giant. We are a podcast that looks at the comic book culture. We are a podcast that talks about the cosplay community. We are a podcast that can't help but dissect the movies and shows we watch. We are. We are. We are. The Galaxy Cast. Welcome to this episode of the Galaxy Cast. I have with me three people in the studio. I have with me Austin. What are we calling you now? Austin the video game boy, because I win. No. Austin the not video game geek. <laughs> I, the, the video game numpty. There we go. Austin the video game numpty. I like that one. We're going to make that one stick. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have Gary the stud. That's me. Nerf. And we have Bob Chrisman, the Din Jarin of Jarin's Jarin. No. No. That lives in a Jarin. No. no. The the the, the, no. the the jar jar jarn. The jar jar jarn. It lives in a jarn. It's jarring. It lives in a jar. <laughs> All right, okay. we already reached that point. <laughs> so we are gonna head straight to it, folks. We're gonna talk strictly tonight about season two, episode one of The Mandalorian. So I'm gonna tell you right now, if you have not watched season two, episode one of The Mandalorian, don't hit, bother. Hit pause. Gosh, Gary, you killed me. Hit pause. Go to Disney Plus, watch season two, episode one of The Mandalorian, because I don't want to hear anybody going, but you spoiled it for me. Well, guess what? Go watch it first. I'm telling you right now, hit pause, go watch the episode, and come back to this mark in the recording and listen to what we have to say. Warning, warning, Danger Road Robinson. Yeah, Spoilers I don't know how ahead. much more I can say. <laughs> you know, spoiler alerts, alert of spoiler alerts, you know, like, ooga, ooga. Maybe I'll put a red alert in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Something to put, like danger, put, Will Robinson. Danger, Will Robinson. Put, go put, back, put go the back. Imp- the imperial air horn in there. Too. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> That's my version of it. Well, so. Was that the, that the air horn or a Kree dragon? Uh, a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Like I married the air horn and the Kree dragon. Actually, I took a, a air horn and I shoved it up the Kree dragon's <laughs> rear end, and that's what came out. Ah, it farted. Okay. Yes, yes, that's exactly what happened. Gary's on my wavelength tonight. <laughs> okay, so let's get to it. 
So we are covering Season 2, Episode 1 of The Mandalorian, mm. titled Chapter 9, The Marshal. So we have The Mandalorian trying to figure out how to get the asset home. Basically, that's. Is, am I going to assume, and maybe Gary, you, you could put some insight into this too, that that's probably going to be the whole season? Like, that's the assumption I have. Don't, do you agree with that? Yeah, he's looking, for, he's looking for the way to Sesame Street. <laughs> right? It's kind of what I feel like. Like, you that's. Tell me how to get to, get to Sesame Street. Were we going to have Elmo somewhere <laughs> along the way here? Now, Elmo, yay! If, if, well, we've had our Snuffleupagus, because I'm sorry, that's what all the Banthas are. Yep. That's what they, they look like Snuffleupagus. So, uh, um, so you know, that, that would work. So, he's deciding that he's got to try to find another Mandalorian to help him do this. Now, it, am I... Okay. He talked about there being, like, a subculture in the Mandalorian culture that, like, helps them find species that are missing, right? Like, that's... He's going to trace the creeds, because the, cre the, the coverts. If he can find the path of coverts, because they know where some coverts are, he can talk with them and be able to trace a path and say, do you know where the Jedi lie? Okay. In order to trace a path through the star systems and find to give the asset back to his people. But he, isn't he also saying the coverts know where to find, like, odd species and stuff like that? I mean, that was yeah, kind of my that's, assumption. That's one thing, because that's what they do to uh, find foundlings. Right. They kind of search the galaxy they for... search the galaxy for odd species that and most people, people don't have. mistreated and such. Have you ever heard of the Coverts before this point, Gary? This was a new... It's all new to me. Okay, so I'm not crazy. This isn't some sort of Mandalorian it, thing I missed somewhere along the way. It was mentioned in Season 1 only once as the Covert on on the place where we met Grief Karga and where the Mandalorian was hanging out in the first season. That Oh, yeah, his, his home that, planet that, there. That was a Covert and that Covert was shut down when the, when the Empire arrived. Okay. That, coven. that was a coven. I thought that was a coven, right. There's a difference between a coven no, he said, and a covert. he said to the heavy, you'll have to relocate the covert. And coven. and I think he used the word coven. I think well, you're confusing the two. We'll have to go back and watch that episode and find out, but I'm okay. pretty sure that's the case. So, if we're wrong, I, I will own up to Tondo, it. Tondo, Ned. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure one of them will correct us <laughs> somewhere along the way. Yeah, they don't uh, listen to us, though, so... <laughs> Because they're not, because they're not on here, and they really should. They're be. gonna be on the show soon. I'm gonna work on it. I've been busy. <laughs> People, you're killing me. Okay. So interestingly enough, he's trying to figure out how to get to the covert, not the coven, and so he decides to go. Where Where does he go before he goes to Tatooine? Because we find out that he's supposed to go to Tatooine. No, uh, no. He goes to look for the guy that knows where Mandalorians are. Word. That's right. That's what it was. And he goes to this... Don King guy. He kind of... Yeah, like he had that feel about him, right? This Don King type dude. And I thought it was... I mean, there was a lot of cool little things inside of that where we had two Gamorians, 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 yeah. however you pronounce it, fighting it out in the ring <laughs> with well, well, vibro axes. Maybe it's, maybe it's the right pronunciation now that they're skinny. I was going to say... What, Gamorian <laughs> versus Gamorian? Gamorians. Da-da-da-da-gamera. <laughs> 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 oh, I was going to say... <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in there, Gamera showed up, too. You should have. It's Gamera! He saves the day! Gamera helps us! 
Gamera would have kind of fit into this episode with yeah. everything else that was going on, actually. Maybe a little bit of a little, Godzilla, a little, bit of, a little, Godzilla, little Godzilla. Gamera in there. It was kind of like Star Wars meeted both, met both of them in this episode. I was waiting for the creature to open up and make well, a Godzilla sound. There, there's like a, a ton of like homages to other movies and genres. Didn't you catch those, Gary? Did you catch all those little like homages to other things? And we'll talk about them as we go through. But I caught some like references to other movies, references to other TV shows and stuff. The and entire episode is having to deal with, uh, essentially, Native Americans working with a small town that's been raided by Native Americans. So you had that kind, kind of, of, like, almost Magnificent Seven-style thing again. No. The, no? I, well, I, I get what he's saying. Like, you could say the town is the farmers, and <laughs> to, to an extent, the Sand People are the Mag-7 group that's trying to train them. But there's not really a lot of training going on, per no, se, so there wasn't a it's, montage it's, there it, or anything. But it, It's definitely a Western space, like they said. Yeah, it is a Western space, for sure. I mean, it's got that feel to it. Just a little bit of, I get what you're saying, or trying to connect. Uh, well, it's, so am I. It's and, close. I mean, it's, it's and close. Yes, and I'm yes, not Bob, saying it's 100%. <laughs> and yes, Bob, I, got, I caught all the throwbacks to the Star Wars movies. Sure. Yeah. And I caught all the throwbacks to other movies out there, too. Okay, so we'll talk about some I of I may have not caught here. them all. I just noticed that that was the over. So, so they have all this fighting going on in the ring, and the Mando goes up to this one-eyed Minotaur-type thing. We don't, we don't even know what type, kind of creature that is, right? We've never seen one of those. It's the green Cyclops. That's what I call it. They're um, comparing them to a Ray Harryhausen Cyclops from Sinbad and the Beast from 20,000... Leagues Under the Sea? Light Years Away or something. Okay. I was actually thinking it might be a reference to the Minotaur in... Odyssey? No, not not odd. Well, it could be the Odyssey too, but uh, Perseus and what's the other one that, that had the owl that was made of? Oh, uh, Clash of the Titans. Thank you, Clash of the Titans. I thought uh, that's all. I don't know why I jumped to that, but I kind of thought of Clash of the Titans a little bit because uh, he had that Minotaur look to him. Right. You know, again, it. again, it's Ray, Ray Harryhausen that did that too. Did he do that one too? Yes. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, so it's yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there definitely was a look to that. I, I think there was definitely a throwback to that. And I thought it was interesting that, that, you know, in his effort to try to find the Mandalorians, they try to flip it on him and are like, give me your best card. You know, like, and I just, I knew that was not going to end well for them. That, that fight scene was good. It was a really I, good I fight scene. I like the fact that he points the guns, the guns point at him and he's like, if you put the guns down, I'll let you live. <laughs> no, I think my whole favorite part of that whole scene. The bullets when come when, out. When he, when he loads up the gauntlet, right? And, and the, and asset, the just asset just click. looks at it and goes, okay, I'm out. Click. You know, and he, and he closes the lid. I, that was would, just perfect. That I would wonder, perfect. and just saying this, is how much time has really gone between season one and season two? Maybe there's been a few fights between season one and two, and they're like, He's just become normal. Oh, okay. This is what I got to do. Uh, <laughs> it might this, be. This but carib, I, carib, the, I'm getting the impression they were supposed to go straight from one to two, right? Like, I don't yeah. think there's it much might not, time. Not, it might be like the, a week of time. The, the whole fight with the Zabrak throwing the punches and he's headbutting the hand when he, he gets throwing Dude, the punches at him. Okay. What's the one thing Eric always complained about? He always complained that when people punched helmets... They acted like they were punching a person in the face, right? Like, there was no... Like, it didn't hurt their hand. It was like a normal punch. For the first time ever... You saw him. We actually saw a punch hit a hand, and, the, and it actually was like... Ah, yeah, ping! Hurts the hand. You hear the ting of the helmet. And then the Mando uses that to his advantage. I think the other favorite... My other favorite one, you talked about them headbutting the he, punch. He, he headbutts the punch and then does back and whacks yeah, the twi'lek behind him When with he the used head. the punch that hit him to his advantage and went bam and hit the twi'lek. Anyway... Was just, there were a lot of really cool little moves in there uh, that really kind of said, okay, Din's getting better and better at his fighting style here, 
and really kind of like owning the situation, Showing, showcasing true Mandalorian martial arts. Now, think about this finest. for a minute. He took on what two Gamorians and was no. a Gamorian. The other guy got shot. He, he didn't really take on a Gamorian. The Gamorian jumped out of the ring and fell on his face. True. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to. He tried well, to. Well, one had him. Had him in his arms. He was crushing yeah, yeah, him. The, the Twi'lek. That was the Twi'lek. That was the Twi'lek. Okay. Yeah. But still, he took on a Gamorrean, and he took on, what, five or six guards? I mean, Five or like, six guards he took out with the gauntlet, yeah. with the whistling birds. He took out one Zabrak with a vibroblade. Well, first of the punches and all that. Yeah. And then the Twi'lek and another alien. Right, whatever it was. But the Gamorrean guard didn't do nothing. No, he kind of tried to pull a wrestling move fell. and flatten him and just yeah. fell right. flat on his and, face. And I really had a problem with the Gamorrean guards. Why is that? They're too skinny. <laughs> I agree with you. The first thing I mentioned is they look like right. skinny sumo Dave, wrestles. The next time you need to do Gamorrean guards, I mean, seriously, like, get a hold of Gary and I. Yes. <laughs> we don't even need to put the suits on. Just put the heads on us and, like, paint my body green. It's good enough. I'm telling you. Like, like seriously, we... <laughs> Gary and I will fight each other as Gamorrean yep. guards and make it look more realistic for you. And, and if you need a Malakili... <laughs> and, I, and I love your your comment about well they went on Weight Watchers and like Oprah Winfrey would be proud you know like but seriously I agree with you Gary they did not look like Gamorrean guards at least not the way we've known them now I don't know if that means that Jabba just overfeeds the crud out of his Gamorrean guards or they they were lazy too much and or they were lazy because they're working for Jabba I don't know but like that's not any Gamorrean guard I know I mean that was like Gamorrean guard on Thor's workout routine like seriously. <laughs> They were a little buff too. Did you catch that? Like I was like, oh yeah, they were huh. a little bit buff. But the other problem was is the outfits kind of very much showed off their butts, so it kind of looked like yeah. a bad sumo wrestler. Yeah. Like very skinny up top and big chunky legs. Yeah, they just didn't seem. Did they? I don't know. They didn't feel overpowering to me. I mean, that's that's I guess it, the best way. It I could felt put like it. a uh, boxing match in the twenties. Kind of. Yeah. No, this is the homage to Rocky. That's all. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the WWE before the WWF went out of style, right? Like, when all this, the short, skinny <laughs> fighters were into... Do you remember back when the WWE first started and they had, like, all the amateurs? <laughs> That's kind of what that felt like, just a little bit, the beginning scene. Like, yeah. We had all the amateurs in the ring. So he fights his way out. He manages to take the Minotaur out back, and he... Strings him up. Strings him up. It's a, it was a Cyclops, not a Minotaur. Sorry to say anything. It's a Cyclops. There's a big difference between two. Yes, you're right. Minotaur looks like a bull. Come thank on. Thank you, thank you. Cyclops, sorry. And he strings him up, and he finds out from him that this Mandalorian's on Tatooine. And, of course, my immediate reaction was, well, there's only one other Mandalorian I know on Tatooine. And Dawson was like, yep, I'm going there, too. Uh, and then he shoots the light out, and all these creatures come in, and they... <laughs> From the hills that have eyes. <laughs> yeah, and they, they chew him up, it was, I assume. It was the monster Critters. The movie Critters. Uh, it did have, yes, I was just about to say. Critters, that gave me one of the... Was one of the references I thought of for that, too. Um, wasn't it Tremors, where they had little creatures like that, right, that were in the hills? No. I, I thought that was another... There was a horror film, and maybe I'm, I'm mixing it up with a different one. Mixing up another one. They, uh, they had creatures with, like, red eyes that showed up in the hills, and it kind of looked like those, too. And the sound uh, they made kind of reminiscent of Rebels, the episode where they go to that old Clone Wars base, and they had to battle off these creatures that were not able to handle pure sunlight or something. I okay. can never actually everything. Were those one of the loath evil creatures? No, things? they were on a Clone Wars base picking up information or stuff from Fulcrum. Oh, yeah, that was the one where Ezra almost turned to the dark side, right? Uh, that was a different episode, but same planet, yes. Okay. All right. 
So, anyway, we don't know what happens to this guy, but I just kind of assume he gets chewed up and spit out by whatever. So they take well, I, off. I, I love the line is he says, uh, "Give me your word that you I won't you won't kill me." He says, "I'll give you word that no harm shall come from me." And then shoots right. up the light to kill him. Yeah, you got to pay attention to what the Mandalorian says because <laughs> he's very specific about what he's going to do and or what he's not going to do for that matter. So they get on the uh, Razor's crest and they head to Tatooine. And of course, the first place he goes in Tatooine, and I, I kind of saw this part coming. They land in the same docking bay that they landed last season with the during lady and the... Yep, during Gunslinger with the lady and the uh, pit droids. And I thought it was interesting this time around, he let the pit droids work on a ship. Now, but do you think that the end of last season maybe... With the IG-88 or IG-11 yeah. kind of changed it too? I yes. think that and uh, Queel helped change I, it I think a little bit, bit with Queel. I, I think a little bit with the IG-11 where it sacrificed itself to save them all, I think maybe it's starting to change his viewpoint on droids. And that it, I'm not convinced he's his completely whole flipped over, but... No, but I think his whole viewpoint on droids was because of his issues during the Clone Wars and the reason his parents died and everything. And then we have the first throwback to a Star Wars movie. Okay. R5. Yep, yes. R5 shows up. And you see the I, you see the burn mark from it right exploded. where right where the bad motivator right we're was. pretty sure where it was and I thought it was interesting that R five uh, showed up at this point in the episode and it was kind of hard you know like I was like wow like that that that's an original trilogy actually right. a New Hope reference and I think that's what what kind of threw me off on that one a little bit is you know here you got pit droids in the background from, from episode one right from the prequels. and now you've got r5 from episode a new hope four, and you're kind of like okay somebody's finally starting to and this should have been done years ago starting to take the prequels and tie them with the original trilogy and trying to bring them together a little bit and i i i like what filoni's doing here in that he's trying to say hey they're all part of the same universe and they can live together, and it's okay. Like you, you know, like you can and put I, those things together, and they met. I like that they didn't downplay the pitch droids' dumb humor. Yeah, like them trying to pr- fix the ship, and they detach what they think is a all I can a think landing of, gear thing, and it sticks on his head. All I could think of was that scene from <laughs> Elf where he's like, "Oh, sucky," you know. The, <laughs> the, the, the pit droid got it stuck in his eye. There, there were three stooges. They were kind of, yes, <laughs> but if you think back to episode one, all the pit droids. The three stooges. Were the three stooges? Oh yeah! During the the, the race in particular, you know, especially when, when were... the one went through the pod race engine, they came out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he tells her he's got to go find this Mando. They find they discover that it's going to be on this far side of the planet, not Mos Eisley, not Mos Espa. Anybody remember what the name of the, the town was? Mos, Mos something. Pe- Pelgaris or something. Pelgaris, 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 something like that. Something like that. Pelgaris. It starts with a P. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a lot of Mos which, is on... <laughs> I was just about to say, apparently the guy named Mos on Tatooine really owned a lot of cities or, or something. Or as you said, it's mostly dead. Right. right. Well, you, you just figure, right? You've got El Paso and all this other stuff, right? So El Paso is most and what it is on Tatooine, that's all. Yeah, I figure it's, it's one of those, like, common names that's just used, right. you know. Maybe most even means city, like City Espra, City... You know, that's a possibility. Who knows? So... They, he asks her if he can borrow the speeder bike. Because it's from back from the uh, gun. I thought it was stuff. funny because her first reaction was, well, can I watch the little one? And he's like, nah, I'm going to take him with me this time. We we're trying to find out where his people belong. Yeah. And she's the first reaction when he says that is, I've never seen anyone like him besides this one. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like. Well, he is a unique thing. Other yeah. than Yoda, right? Or Yaddle. 
yeah, as far so, as we know. So they get on the speeder bike and they head out to this town, this this town in the middle of nowhere. And he's driving and driving and driving and driving. And, and there's suddenly just, he comes up on it and it just turns into him slow riding back a little right, bit. Right, he, he gets to the town finally and... I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting. You could tell all the townspeople were kind of like, who is the stranger? Because they're staring him down. up in our town. And I'm kind of wondering if, like, some of them were sizing him up since we know what comes later. Since he's wearing that armor, you know, where a bunch of people going, oh, boy. You know, like, he found out we're not, this isn't good. You know, like, <laughs> are they coming for him? You know, like, you kind of wonder how, I was know. I was going to say, are they wondering, like... Is this a raider? <laughs> Maybe, you know. I thought it was interesting, too, because the first place that the Mandalorian goes, that Din Djarin goes to, is not... The saloon. Yeah, he doesn't go to the local town clerk. He doesn't go to the local sheriff. He goes right to the saloon but this is, that's <laughs> to typical, find out what's going on in the town. Old, that's typical Old West thing. It is. And it's in, the right first, in the first episode, he goes to pick up a bounty in the saloon. Yep. Yep. In the second episode, when he goes to, or rather, when he goes to the Sanctuary episode, he goes to the saloon. And Gary, they, they do a lot of things right? like that. I think that was another example where they make it feel like a space western, like you talked about about the fact that they have promised that's what you're going to feel yeah. like here. And I, I think they did it again by having him go straight to the saloon right. and, and talk and, to the and, bartender. In every Dungeons and Dragons game, every uh, western, you want information. You go to the saloon, right? Because the barkeep hears everything. The bar knows everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he goes to talk to the barkeep and basically says, hey, have you seen a guy around that looks like me? Have you seen anybody around? <laughs> and the the barkeep is a weak way. Well, yep. the, the best part of the, like is, yeah, well, what does he look like? <laughs> yeah. But, Pause for two seconds. It looks like me. <laughs> Duh. Me. Well, it's kind of like, a, yeah, I was like, I almost wanted him to kind of like look behind himself like, uh, me? You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> that would have been kind of funny a little bit. And, then, and I love the next line of being, well, why don't you just ask him behind you? The marshal. Yeah, yeah. And he's, so, the marshal's just standing in the doorway. And he's standing there. And, and by the way, in the meantime, the asset had walked into the room. Yeah, he was he um, was riding on the back of the, the in the little saddle. Yep. And then he, he wanders into the room here, hangs out by the spittoon, as Gary pointed out. What it is. It kind of looks like, well, well now that you said it, it's kind of like I had a hard time not seeing he's it He's trying as to figure such. out what's inside it. <laughs> All I can say is that there was spittle in there. Ew. So, immediately... He asked the barkeep for Romulan ale. Uh, immediately, Din Djarin's upset because here's a guy who obviously is not a Mandalorian, mm. but he's got Mando armor. And he said he bought it off Jawas. Yep, said he said he got it from Jawas. And I just love the fact that Jim's first reaction is, give me it. Like, take it me off. Give me the armor. Like, take it off. <laughs> you and give earn it. it. Like, you take didn't it earn off. it. You're not a Mando. <laughs> give it the armor. Part of me wanted to be like, Yo, if I were Timothy Oliphant as as a guy, I'd have been like, dude, I'm not, I'm naked under here. I'm not giving this to you. You're know, like, uh, uh-uh. uh, you know, like, I, I don't know. Part of me would also said, you know, come and get it if you think you can take it. Come and well, get we it. We almost know? had that gunfight. We and, did. And we did. You're right. He's like, we're gonna do it right here in front of the in kid. In front of the kid. Yeah. <laughs> the kid's looking worse. in the freaking. I do <laughs> love the Mando's reaction. That well, he's seen worse. You know, like he's seriously like this is. And then, meanwhile, you can cut back to the beginning of the episode and watch him take kick ass out now, of the, these guys. That scene where they were standing there looking at each other, trying to figure out who is going to draw first, and he's reaching for his gun, and he's got, you know, the fingers gone. Oh, right? yeah, old western quick draw. That reminded me of a couple different movies. The first one it reminded me of was Tombstone. Yeah. Right, where they're standing in the middle yeah. of town, and they're both, you know, Over the and the okay one screaming thing. at the other going, you skin, you know, grab that skin flute, you know, he's screaming at him. And the other guy's, you know, kind of, like, figuring out when does he do it. 
Uh, the other one that I kind of uh, could think of, Clint Eastwood, a famous Clint Eastwood film. High, high Plains Jerker. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, where at high noon they're gonna they're gonna go out and and. Apparently, I need to watch more Western films because all I was thinking of was just Quick Draw. Yeah, there's, there's know, a lot I know of Westerns. Very, that, I know it's very typical. But there's but, something about the hand being the way it was over the gun that reminded me of that particular scene in that movie. Because they, they do it, they pan in, and then they pan out of the hands, and the way they're wiggling their fingers about who, ready to draw the gun. Who directed this episode? Director Dave Filoni. So Filoni directed this one. Yeah. So he definitely did some good homages to some old oh, yeah. Western films. I mean, that... that that scene really screamed right there for yeah. me, you know, Old West, and, and just well, really... It was Favreau. John Favreau. I Favreau, Favreau wrote some of it, too. So that, that, no, Favreau I, directed I, I, Favreau wrote and uh, directed. Oh, and directed. Okay, yeah. so there you go. It's, I wasn't paying attention. It just saw yeah. Jay, so... So you're wrong. It's not... It's it's Favreau, which, you know, I, I thought... I thought whoever, whoever directed this really had a vision for Westerns and, like, how to use that and, and like, spin it in a way that would work for... Star Wars, and oh, I really, yeah. I think Favreau did oh, a good yeah. job with that, and I think he's got a good grasp of old westerns. Honestly, that helps. I really think it helps. So anyway, they're they're ready to, to you know draw draw guns on each other, and all of a sudden the whole town starts shaking. Uh, you, you know, Gary called it the Tatooine earthquake, right? Something like that. Yep. And no, I didn't call it an earthquake. It's a, a Tatooine quake. Tatooine quake, That's and right. everyone's running inside. I was kind of assuming it was an earthquake or something like that at first. You, you said sandstorm. I said, and, and then I said, "Well, is it a sandstorm?" And the reason I said that was because all the the, the blades wind, were going yeah, like there the was wind, wind coming right, and I thought, "Well, maybe there's a really bad sandstorm coming." And then we see it, whatever it was, and it you just, see this creature, this uh, and it looks gonna... it looks like it's swimming under the sand. Well, they are in the Dune Sea. Yeah. Well, no, and that's that is the thing a lot of people forget. It's called the Dune Sea for a reason. And actually, Lucas referenced this in the book. The I think it's the Mind's Eye, Splinter in the Mind's Eye, where the Dune Sea actually was a housing to tons of creatures that lived under the sand. Oh, so that's why they called it the Dune Sea and not just a you know like a desert or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and I don't think there's an act bedrock in it to, to keep it keep you from sinking into it. Right. Right. So, so how come when people walk across the Dune Sea, like I'm thinking Kenobi and Ezra, the creatures just didn't spawn up and kill them? Uh, nothing to say creatures couldn't have. They just happened to know where to go so they wouldn't get killed. So using intuition, using, you know, stuff like that to try to figure out... Okay, when e- you... even though this episode reminds you a lot of Tremors, it wasn't Tremors. It wasn't Tremors, number one, yeah. Here's the I've thing I kind of thought Tremors. this scene reminded me of, and I think I said it while we were watching Dune. it. Dune. Yeah, like, and I know you, I don't think you've ever watched Dune. I've never Dune. watched Tremors. I haven't watched Dune. Both uh, of those Dune, are on the... Dune was basically about these space worms that came out of the ground, and they would ride them what? around. Dune? And... Dune? Dune, yeah. Well, it's the planet that had these worms. Pla- yeah, the planet has these worms, and they're... And uh, they had spice in them. Yeah. And they would ride the worms around, and they... Yeah, it was... It was yeah, it, it's kind of an odd movie, but when you... When you watch it, you have to watch it a couple times, I think, before you really start to understand fully what's going on. A few of the shots that has uh, what John Luke Picard in it, right? It has. I don't know. Uh, I, 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 I watched it once and never watched it again. Oh, you never watched it again? No. Did you not like it? I hated it. <laughs> Did you ever try to watch it again? Yes. Okay. I was just curious. I, I was. I hated it the first time too, but after watching it several times, like two or three. Then I started to kind of get into, like, you know, all the, the I, little nitty-gritty stuff on it. I, I think I'd rather watch Green Lantern. 
Ooh, <laughs> but anyways, there was that look to it. Like the creature to me had that look to it. And that's when Timothy Oliphant reveals that they've had a problem yeah, the with this creature. Yeah. Did he mention at that point that it's a crate dragon? No, I don't. I think, when did they say no, crate dragon? I think he mentioned it after the the ride when they were riding out. Okay. Like, so at this was, point we didn't know it was a crate dragon. I think he said, "I know where the crate dragon lives," and then starts we just start the travel. Yeah, I, I think he did mention what it was when they. Yeah. I think Jin asked him, "What the hell was that?" And he says, "A crate dragon. They've been eating our." They've been attacking this settlement well, well before yeah. we all got here. Now, here's the interesting thing I, I got to bring up here, and I, I know maybe it really doesn't matter, but I was just kind of like, of all animals for the crate dragon to go out and decide to pick and go after, it goes after a bantha. A bantha. Now, I just, I kind of, I, I don't know. The animal in me says a bantha who, okay, maybe it's got some good meat on it, but man, you got to get some massive hairballs. <laughs> well, if you're meeting a crate dragon, you know, like later, later on, that crate dragon's got to be going. <coughs> What's wrong? Hairball. Well, look at it this way, Bob. Yeah. It was the only animal that was, wasn't was on a platform. True. kind of... And you're in the dune sea. Yeah, yeah. And a shark is going to attack the thing that's swimming in the water, and that's what's... Not was, what's up on the boat. Right. I get it. I was kind of thinking of that scene where they... In the Jurassic Park where they have the goat tied to the metal It kind of had that feeling to it, yeah. yeah. Well, that happens later, I yeah. think. That kind, of, yeah. that kind of feeling happens later. And actually, that was one of the homages but, I felt But that they felt did. like it, too, because they had yeah. that... Kind of, to an extent. Kind of but all cow I could think slash of was, goat just kind I, of tied I, I up the middle I didn't say it because your mother was Shut in the room up. going, Shut up to both of us. But all I could think of was, like, Dude, like, can you think of the hairballs later on? Like, I mean... That's like if a... If I'm sorry, that's a robot chicken episode waiting to happen, right? Like, a, a crate dragon comes up, eats a... Eats a Seth Green, a you listening? Three, like, later on, he's like, Dude, I can't believe I ate that. Why? Think of the hairball. You know, like... Yeah. Like, he's like well, a cat I mean, somewhere. Just going, if you, maybe, maybe, maybe here's a delicacy to him. Maybe. Who maybe. knows? Maybe, maybe he flosses with it later, like... Yeah. <laughs> After he gets to the good, uh, well, he could use his dental stick from the um, Tuscan readers. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I was getting at. By the way, uh, in this episode, if you don't catch it, when they first get to the Tuscan Raider camp, in the lower left-hand corner, corner, I'm not kidding. One of the Tuscan Raiders is using the little stick that the it has the pineapple on it. That has the pineapple on it. That again, I hold as Malakili and other people hold as Tuscan Raiders. And he's, I'm not kidding, he's cleaning the teeth of the bantha using the pineapple end. And I'm kind of like, oh, I didn't know that was for dental work. I, I just, I don't know why that came it, out of my mouth, it just did, like, I, it just... And, <laughs> and if you ever mouth Keely next to Roxy again, you can do her teeth. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do her teeth now, yeah. I'm going to, like, you know, here, i got to, you know, pick your teeth out. So there we go, guys, the next time I'm near Roxy. We're going to get a picture of me doing dental work on Roxy. That would be great. And then you Disney's going to love that one. They're going to be like, no. You <laughs> cannot do that. Suddenly you turn into uh, Hermie from Mother Rudolph. Right now. I'll, I'll be at Roxy. Yeah, I'll be at Roxy going, now I can take that bi- bipolar you know, musket out. But uh, we got to get that writing off of your arm there. Somebody you know, did something yeah. to you. So yep. anyway. <laughs> So the deal is, he makes the deal with Olafon's character, the Marshal. We don't know the Marshal's name, right? He's just the Marshal. He's just the Marshal. They don't Cobb, state his name. Cobb is Vance. Cobb? Oh, that's right. Cobb Vance? Vance. Vance. V-A-N-T-H. V-A-N-T-H. Cobb Vance. Okay. You know what? I should have looked at the... Ha! Huh. <laughs> the list it's right there in front of us. <laughs> so Cobb Vance. I, I find that... Uh, yeah, so... 
Uh, so he just agrees to help him, but the deal is there's a trade-off here. If he's going to help him, the, the FET armor comes back to the Mando. Because it's got the... Because it's, and we know it's Fett. Boba Fett. See, this is the thing, like, they don't tell you it's Boba Fett, but my goodness, they give you enough hints that you figure it well, out. Well, you see the FET feather. First off, the, the, yeah, he has the FET logo on, on he's both got the, the shoulder bell and on the chest armor. He's got the red... Uh, but the minute he put the helmet down, I was like, yep, that's him. Because it's got the dent in the, the right, right spot. spot. It's got all the same weathering. The, I mean, the only thing that's slightly different is the paint is peeled back a bit. Well, you I, notice? I think if it's been sitting in the desert longer, right? Like that's or that's, maybe the sarlacc has a strong acid belly. I'm sure. It so it does, kind so. of peels paint. Maybe not Beskar. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I I thought, wow, okay, so we're really going there. We're really doing the Boba Fett thing here. Yeah, and I thought that was. Just I kind like of the fact that he, we didn't have him take the helmet off. Until the one that helmet, or you didn't see his face until he took the helmet off. We see the helmet first, right? And then we see his face, and that's like that. What a twist! Now, moment. I know you guys. I don't know. I don't think either one of you. Maybe you did, Gary. Uh, watched Deadwood. Did you watch that show at all? Yes, I did uh, not. I Timothy Oliphant played Bullock, the town sheriff, and he had a, a swagger. Yep. When he was the town sheriff, and like I couldn't help. Did you notice, Gary? That. That swagger was yes. here. And yep. He had that 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 swagger. <laughs> Do you think Favreau told him, "Can you act like you were back in well, Deadwood?" I, th- I think he might have been picked the script for that or... very reason. I think he might have been picked for that very reason. Okay, so the next step that they decide they need to do is they need to go out and go find where the Crate Dragon is at. Like, go to its home and figure out where it is. And and Timothy Oliphant pretty much says, "Oh, I know where that is. That's you know out wherever." And we're, we can go out there together, and so... So he's riding on the speeder bike, and... Mando offers to go with him, and they... I, again, another great homage here. They get on their bikes, and they start going, and Oliphant's character's speeder bike isn't even a bike at all. It's really a pod racer engine. It's, yeah, it's, it's Anakin's left or right pod wing, basically the little power cell for his racer... With a seat attached to it. Kind of side-saddled, too. And did you guys catch, too, that... Yeah, it is kind of side-saddled. You're right. Did you guys catch, too, that the sound effect was the exact same sound effect? Which I was like, you know, kind of cheap in a way because, you know, you already got the sound effect, but at the same time, kind of like... And if you notice... Also a cool throwback. Some of the times when he's doing the turn, you have the... Yeah, the little... was he's turning, yeah. So there was... And did you notice that it was orange and yellow? Yeah. Yeah, why do you why do you think it was orange and yellow like that? Because Saboba bought it after the Boont Eve. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, you're right. I didn't know Saboba that. Yes, I didn't yeah. know that. I thought must I have know changed they, the colors of it or something. I was gonna say I know he sold it. I didn't know Saboba bought it. Yep. So I mean that, that was that's a nice little little uh, Star Wars Episode One throwback. I'm kind of glad they used it. And so they go to these caves that they think the Crate Dragons at. And, and they sudden, have yeah. what I th- are they Vorn skiers that that no they're the just, dogs they're, right they're, I don't know they don't really I don't think they ever came up with a name for them okay they're the Tuscan Raider they're dog. the dogs for the Tuscan right. Raider they're somewhere in an in and I thought it was interesting that the the Mandel comes right up to the dog and starts talking to it and it like starts wagging well, its tail the like first thing he does is they're all pointing guns at it and yeah. he sees it come out and he lowers his blaster the other guy's holding his blaster up and he just. <laughs> makes right, a sound. Starts doing the weird sounds and stuff. And then out of nowhere, the Tuscan Raiders show up, and he starts talking with them. Now, I like the fact that he ended up being a go-between between the Tuscans and the Timothy Oliphant character. Uh, I thought that was a nice little, like, thing that was going on there. Now, again, all I can think of there, 
was when the Cowboys would sit with the Indians, right? And there was yep. always that one Indian that knew both languages that would end up being the translator between the two. Well, the Mandalorian ended up being the translator in, in this in this case. Well, it's, it's, it's not an uh, Indian. It's a uh, mountain man or something. Right, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah I get it. Is it Mandalorian? They've done that in, the, in Westerns, too. Is it Mandalorian custom to know, let's say, all the language of the galaxy? Not necessarily that, but one of the things that they're known for is is uh, interpreting cultures, like not immediately assuming that a culture is bad, but like interpreting their intent and trying to assume mm-hmm. the best of a culture. And that's what that's where the Empire gets themselves in trouble because if you're a humanoid culture, they always assume you have the best of intentions. If you're a non-humanoid in, a culture in the Empire, they assume you have the worst of intentions. And this is where the Mandalorians always set themselves apart from the Empire in that they assumed everybody had the best of intentions. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of call it the American culture experience because in, in America, at least we like to assume that everybody has a good and decent intention and heart. And so we like to think the individual can can control themselves, I guess the best way to put it. Um, and that's why we believe in the government we believe in because the individuals should be able to conduct themselves so Mm -hmm. same kind of general idea here Mm -hmm. so he ends up trying to negotiate with the timothy oliphant character and it gets pretty it gets dicey at times Uh, i also thought it was kind of interesting that somehow the asset started to look like dog food to (laughs) well before we get to the camp we have the ride conversation about what happened Right after the Empire fell in this in this mining camp situation. Correct. We do get the, we, the story about... And how he gets the armor and comes back. Correct. So he... he uh, Timothy Oliphant's character, the the mining colony, the Empire uh, falls. So the second Death Star, Death Star blows up. And, and it's on the immediately hollow. that night, they have this mining crew come in and try to take over the camp. And turn, turn these... Civilians into slaves. Right, turns everybody into camp to slaves, and Oliphant runs. But before he runs, he grabs a container full of these crystals. Ice cream maker. Yeah, Yeah. another ice cream maker. And he walks for days and days and days in the desert, and he finally gets rescued by, of all people, the Jawas. And they see the crystals, and they offer him up all sorts of crazy stuff. Brand new droid. Uh, Yeah, brand new droid, other stuff. But the thing that grabs his eye is the Jawas have a set of Mandalorian armor. Which, you know, I I kind of automatically assumed, okay, that's Boba's armor out of the Sarlacc pit. Because we're talking after Return of the Jedi at this point. And it looks kind of... And it looks beat up. And it looks like, you know, like somebody would have barely made it, but he made it, you know. I was going to say... And it's all the armor. That's what I find interesting. So it's the the jetpack. It's the... The man braces and the chest armor. There's... There is a knee. He's got a right knee, not a left. He's got a right knee, not a left, but he doesn't have the boots. I don't think he has the boots. I think he's missing the thighs, I believe. I think he's missing the shin guards, too. Maybe. I'd have to look at it again. But, but, you know, a couple things are missing. But, like, a majority of the armor is there. Find that interesting. So, he, basically, that's how he gets the armor and the helmet Mm -hmm. and everything. So, that's, that's the story behind it. And then they, they're in the camp, and they're talking, and they're, they're arguing, and it's not I, good. I, I mean, just noticed is, on your right. photo on the wall, Yeah, I don't think Fett has thigh, plate, thigh plates. Actually, you're right. He doesn't. So I don't think, I don't think he's thigh ever plates. had thigh plates. So that's and a, there's not even shin guards. Non sequitur. He doesn't have shin guards either. You're right. You're right. He's cloth from the legs down except for the knees and the boots. 
Why didn't anybody ever shoot him in the leg? <laughs> I mean, seriously, he has no protection All in the I'm leg. thinking about now. I'm looking at Joe Caroni's uh, Empire Strikes Back poster, for those that are wondering. And it's that's, that's where I'm noticing it, too. And, yeah. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, if you're looking up here in our video background, you can kind of see the Boba Fett there. So, anyway. It's a valid point. Sorry. Honestly. I never thought I, of I it. Didn't, There's I, no shin or thigh armor, and I never noticed that either. So, oh, well, now I'm thinking it was that Ace Ventura thing. Yeah, really. Ah, not that. Yeah. <laughs> not the other leg. Um, so, I just thought that whole thing was, was an interesting exchange there. And, and we'll be right back after we navigate through this promotional tunnel. Do you own a business or a podcast? Are you looking for ways to expand the audience you reach? Then Star Productions could help you. Southern Tier Audio Recording Productions started off as a homegrown audio recording company, offering professional recordings for aspiring musicians. It is now a multifunctional business, offering DJ services, recording, and advertising services to those who own businesses and podcasts. Email us at galaxycast at gmail.com with the subject advertising if you are interested. We look forward to creating a professional commercial for you that can be used in this podcast or even at your local radio station. Many have exclaimed that our services are out of this world. Thank you for your patience as we navigated through the promotional tunnel. And now we return to the Galaxy Cast. Then we get into the negotiations. That gets tense. Oliphant yells at the. the well, they're passing. Samuel, Samuel yell at Oliphant's character. They're passing around like I think it's just a ritual, which I'm only thinking of is like out of. <laughs> Tom and Jerry or out of Looney Tunes and stuff like the smoking pipe thing where the, the Indians... It was kind of a peace pipe moment, yeah. All I could think he of turns was... it off because it smells. Yeah, well, all I can think of was uh, Ace Ventura. You actually... I thought of Ace Ventura long before you mentioned that. That this was the guano moment. You know, tastes great. What is it? Guano. <laughs> right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had that I feeling to it. I didn't think of that. You know, where he's like, it smells <laughs> awful, you know, and then they get all mad about it, you know. But I got to admit, like, you're, you, they're offering to, they are offering to him something that is, you know, special to them. It's their water. And, and, and they get angry because, you know, to the, to them, and that, the yeah. people in that camp have been squandering resources of theirs for years. And they're still angry about it, which I, you know... I can understand that. I think according to a writing Lucas said, is the Tusken Raiders who are native to Tatooine think that everyone else there are trespassers. Yes. That water is sacred. Yep. So people using water to create crops is ruining Tatooine. Yes. And and not only not only that, the Jawas are also natives, right? Uh, uh to Tatooine. No. They I thought my my understanding was they were. No. They're not? Okay. No. Right, because so they came my... along because they're scavengers. They pick they up. They followed stuff. whatever. Okay, whatever debris came with it. Okay, so they are the natives, so and they are that's the ones kind that kind of why yeah. they attack. And, this and is you like can kind of understand why they would be upset with the people. And I, think, I did think this episode was good in in opening your that. eyes to why the Tuscan Raiders react to things the way they do, and to an extent, it ex- it explains the Anakin part of episode three. Yeah, right. And it like actually where, explains it up episode two when he loses his mother. 
sorry, that's what I'm talking about. Episode two, not three, uh, where he loses his mother, and you start to understand a little bit why the Tuscans react to the humans being on their planet the way they do, and maybe why they mistreated Shmi to begin with, and anybody else for that matter that was on the planet. I kind of see it as same, even a little bit further been to episode one, where they're starting to shoot at the pod racers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As if it's kind of like a, a revolutionary, Get off our planet. Yeah. revolutionary act. Like, yep. <laughs> yeah, maybe not even like a, they're participating in the pod race, but more like a stop this damn thing because we can't stand you're, it. You're, you're, you're ruining, you're ruining our, our, planet. our planet. You're yeah. ruining the water. You're you're being... I guess in the long run, they are kind of the, you know, liberal activists of their day. <laughs> uh, yes, I just said Really? That. You're going to go political. <laughs> Gary's going to like, oh, no, not there. <laughs> well... Considering I, I always thought that the, the settlements that were there were taking moisture from the air, yep. not digging it out of the ground. Huh. Yeah, that's kind of what I always assumed, too. But maybe um, that's not the case. We don't know. We don't know how they're how they're getting their moisture. And that's why I say, the reason I say it is because didn't they refer to them in A New Hope as moisture evaporators, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so to me, that, that word, that combination of word screams were taking moisture out of the air. Right? Yeah. But that might also be what's creating the desert the desert atmosphere. So if you're taking the moisture out of the air, there's no moisture in the air, and that might be creating the desert. And maybe this planet wasn't originally a desert until they came along and sucked all the moisture out kind of Kind of like coming out of a new video game that came out, Mustafar was never completely lava. But that right. happened because of because mining of overmining and, and stuff and like that. That it was going actually, after the planet's It forest. was actually a volcanic-like forest. Right, right. And we see that towards the end of Rise of Skywalker, or actually towards the beginning of Rise of Skywalker as... Yeah, kind well, of kicks ass. I just think of the planet that just like a another. It has two suns. Now, where did the other sun come from? Was it was it always there? Right. Or, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. Or was it like they they predict Jupiter was a sun? A right? sun. Yeah. That has burned out. Oh, I, I never heard that. All right, that's what they're saying now. Yeah, they believe that's a possibility. And, just because of the size of the planet. And our new sun that we have is what kind of came into the area and the, that sun brought it in and uh, ign- yeah, that, ignited it and put the other one out. That maybe uh, when planets shift their, like the direction that they're rotating, that it may not be a supernova bursting, but it may just be different suns coming to power and other ones kind of dying off that they don't necessarily right. have to explode to die, hmm. but that they can actually just burn out on their own. Which means that just because the sun burns out doesn't suddenly mean our galaxy ceases to exist. It just means that we shift the direction right. we are rotating, that a, and what that a new the center sun... of correct a new sun will come along. Right, and a lot of people believe it'll be Alpha Centauri will get bigger well, and will will oh. be the new. Well, the the theory now is that Jupiter will ignite again. Oh, like reignite? Yes. Oh, oh I never thought about that. Like going back and forth between right. two. Till maybe uh, one, maybe one gets too big and too powerful, um, and it overblows. I've been watching the Science Channel. They had a apparently you have. <laughs> um, We're learning things that I have not even learned. <laughs> a satellite went and they actually mapped Jupiter. Okay. Oh. And it's got magnetic hydrogen. Is what oh. the whole thing is made up of. Huh. That's interesting. There's three poles on that planet. Hydrogen can be magnetic. Yes, and, it, and, oh. it's, and it's sucking in other planets that are smaller as moons. Okay, is that why there's so many moons of Jupiter? Yes. Okay, and it also affects our sun, the magnetic pole. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So. Well, it would be big enough I could see where it would. Yep. Yeah, interesting. 
Okay, that was a nice side note. So, so we continue on. We got really on. off topic there. It's all right. I told you it was going to happen. It's okay. It's cool. So we continue on, and they decide that they want to go kill this crate dragon. Well, the cr- they they're said, gonna, they're going to go yeah, after it. The, uh, but the, the only way they're going to do that is they're going to need help to make this thing happen. Because they they try to do it, pull it out, and... Uh, right, so they, they decided what they were going to try to do is, is lure it out and, and kill it. And attack it from multiple sides. Uh, right, attack it from multiple sides. Well, they, they went over and they pulled the little sheep from Jurassic Park moment. The and goat. I, I, The goat. We put the goat out there, and I was like, this is not good, people. Come on. And, and of course, the Creek Dragon comes out, and I knew, because I'm like, run, run, run. I'm, I'm even yelling, oh, like, oh, after he <laughs> screams into the, the cave, I'm why just like... Why didn't he turn around and run? Yeah, why didn't he run around right then? No, he waits a couple minutes, then starts to run. I'm like, no, not good for you. Not good and, for and you. And then suddenly, he's tripping on his rope, and he's dead. I almost wondered why he didn't do, like, a almost a, a Southern Bell, like... Pull up the ropes and run, you know, like ah. well, he has the rifle to carry. He has the well, rifle to carry. You get it, but you can still trust me. Women could tell you they could carry a gun and lift their skirt. Trust me, it's a thing. If you want to do it, you'll make it happen. Because he's a dude, he doesn't know how to run it. I guess that's <laughs> apparently because the women actually have different headdresses. <laughs> apparently, they don't have cross dressers in the uh, in well, that clan of the. It, if they did, then he would have had the female uh, headdress. You're right. You're right. You're right. You would have had the female headdress on. So, what? What? You know, I, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not. Gonna, I got. I got a joke for y'all later that, that, that we remind me. I got a joke that they'll make you think a little. Okay. okay. So he tries to run away. He becomes the next bait. That doesn't work. The Banthas just kind of stare like, I'm still alive. I can't believe I, I was, am. I was right? waiting for the. Um, I was waiting for the crate dragon the to come back. Home. Right, I was waiting for the cave dragon to come back and just like, oh, dessert, you know, like, you know, finish it all off. Like, <laughs> Not dessert, dessert. Well, he, uh-huh. he, he didn't have a big appetite, so he went after a little, little uh, morsel. Yeah. Maybe he still had some hairballs from the last bantha and he decided had, maybe he should he just go after needed, the next one. He was sleeping, he just needed a midnight snack. He went, he went for the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> the hors d'oeuvres, yeah. So they decide they definitely need more people to make this happen. And I thought it was funny, like... You know, they're showing the crate dragon, and Oliphant's character is like, that can't be into to scale. Well, and Mando has, talks to them for a minute, and he goes, yep, that's the scale. Like, and and that then Mando does, the Mando does something, and suddenly throwing more rocks down. And he's like, yep, that's how we get to do that. Where are they getting the reinforcements? I offered your town. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like, yeah, just kind of non <laughs> We're going to have to go get people from the town. It was so just, they it go, kind they, of felt like the same thing out of the Sanctuary episode. Bad news, you can't live here. <laughs> right? <laughs> So they, they go back to the town and they explain to everybody they're going to have to work with these people that they have not gotten along with. So they're going to have to work with the same people to make this crate dragon go away. Uh, and again, this is, again, reminiscent of some old westerns. I, some of the names are escaping me now. Where, like, the cowboys would have to work with the Indians to maybe attack the Mexicans. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there was some other bad guy in town that they needed to work with in order to get rid of the Indians or something along that lines. That happened in Westerns all the time where your enemy became your friend, right? Like, so the enemy of your enemy is your friend. And, just, just look at Little Bighorn. Right, Little Bighorn, another great example. Yep, same thing. Because you had the, the Blackfoot helping the Custard's men. Yep. Yeah. Against the Apaches. Against the or Apaches. Sioux, I mean. Just because the, the two Indian tribes didn't get along with each other. Hmm. Uh, the other one I always think about, too, is like the French and Indian War when different Indian tribes would help different factions yeah. because they didn't like the other faction helping they were the other try- faction. They were trying know. to gain land. and Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, so it, it, very much that Western style again. So 
they have to convince the town people, and then all of a sudden, and it's interesting because like uh, the town people are like, "All right, all right, we're in," and it was like I felt like not even ten minutes later, we're like, "Oh, here's the sand people, you know, got to get going," you know, like. And you notice they're all traveling in single file, right? They're same, traveling in single file, <laughs> and <their> numbers. <laughs> they're they're stacking up these explosives, and suddenly he drops one, and the you almost had a brawl. You did, but and. It's, Again, you got to understand it's the tension, right, of the moment. It's, it's, it's the marshal that breaks it up, not yes. the Mando. Right, which I thought is telling because that means even the marshal has started to change his mind about the Sand People, I think. Although, I think the Mando got him to change his mind and say, hey, these people are just people trying to survive like you are, and you got to understand them instead of seeing them as the enemy, try to figure out why they behave the way they behave. Right? And I'm like wondering if this is coming from having to take care of the asset that he has to see. It that I think way. he's starting kind to of change. like a, a, yes. a paternal mentality now. Well, and I think he's starting to change that mentality, not only after looking after the asset, but after having met uh, what's his face in the last season there that died, Quill. Uh, Quill. You know, when you look at Quill, Quill had that kind of. You, you had know, IG Eleven who sacrificed himself right. for the so greater good. All about service to others as opposed to being for yourself, right? Oh, Which just... Mandos are not necessarily service to others, but I'm thinking this Mando is starting to see the value in that. Almost a Spock thing, like the needs to of the many extent. outweigh the needs see, of the few. See, now you're one. starting to cross streams and stuff. <laughs> we don't do that here. But you're right. It is. Yes. It's it's definitely that we are getting that mentality. Um, yes. So they decide to go back to the crate valley. I guess is where it is. The crate dragon. Now I uh, thought it was interesting. They said that the crate dragon lives in an old sarlacc pit, an abandoned sarlacc, an pit. abandoned sarlacc pit. And so that makes me ask a couple questions. First off, sarlacc pits can move. So or are there more than one? Can sarlaccs move? I don't think they can move. I think the crate dragon eats them. That's what we think. That's what you and I discussed, because I could well, think... Well, that's what you and Gary discussed. You think that maybe the crate Dragons eat the Sarlax. I think so. Because uh, they eat Banthas, they eat other creatures, and they live underneath isn't the, the Sarlacc sand. bigger than the, Oh, yeah. The, perhaps their natural, dragon? like, prey and enemy kind of thing. And maybe. I'm just survival saying Survival of dominance. Well, what, what, I, I'd be surprised that a crate Dragon could eat a Sarlacc. What, what, what do you think a Sarlacc is, though? I don't know. I kind of, to an extent, feel like it's almost like a space worm type thing. You know what I'm saying? Where it's got, like, its mouth open. And what we see in Return of the Jedi is the mouth open part. But that maybe that closes and it's a wormy kind of thing. I don't know. That's kind of the way I've always kind of seen it. I, I like always a sluggy type of thing. I always looked at it like a big man-eating plant. Like oh, a, almost like a like Venus flytrap? Like yeah. yeah. Okay. I was, I was about to reference I guess that. I never thought of it like that. And then every once in a while it just sits there with its mouth open. Yeah. Okay. Maybe when it hears vibrations, because that's something Maybe. the great dragon can discover. Because we, tr- Mando, so that, Mando first brings up trying to come over and fly over and bomb it with the ship, and the marshal says that's not going to work. They sense movement. That leads to my other question that you brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. Are there multiple sarlaccs? Because like when they're like, oh, it's an abandoned sarlacc pit. I'm like, wait, how many of these sarlacc pits are there? And they can abandon them. And wait, how many of them are there? Like, is because there multiple? Because if sarlaccs? Jabba had just one sarlacc that he goes to to throw right. it, like. Because Jabba's that's his pet sarlacc, right? Jabba, like, Jabba's a notorious gangster, kind of like tossing his bodies if, in the If he's got pet lake. rancors, why wouldn't he have a pet sarlacc? I was going to say. So, I'm just kind of seeing this as like, maybe there's multiple different spots. Right. And, and then in the special edition, they gave it the beak. 
Yeah. yeah. So like now, so now it looks like it's a sand octopus or squid. Yeah, because it's got the arms and stuff right. too oh. that hang out of it. I've yeah. never seen the original cut because I've only ever seen the one with the beak. Uh, I, I gotta show it to you sometime. It might change your viewpoint on the sarlacc because you're right, Gary. I forgot about the stupid beak thing they added in in special edition, which I know that the Lucas Oasis. Well, that's the way it was supposed to be, but I never liked the look of that. I because it, like you said, it kind of ruins your vision of what the sarlacc is. So I just thought that was interesting, you know, that this was an abandoned Sarlacc pit. So we go back to our abandoned Sarlacc pit, and we start to execute our plan. And, and Mando starts to explain it, and I'm kind of like, as they're explaining it, I'm like, this is insane. So the idea was they were going to put into the ground multiple explosive charges, lots of them. We're talking, like, probably, I would say, about 50 of them are going into the you ground. you got probably about a couple they're, hundred yards, and they're placing three of them in every right. five feet. And they're, they're burying them in the ground with the idea that they're going to lure the crate Dragon out. Get it they're to gonna charge. Get it to charge at them. They're going to pull it out onto the spot. And at the belly of the crate Dragon is the weak spot. That's what the and sand they people would, said. And they would blow it up from underneath. And I'm kind of like, good idea. I think the execution ain't going to work so well. And we this. get done with loading all the charges. And the first thing I recognize is there's a... Small Bantha hanging out in the corner with charges. Lots of charges still on him. I know I noticed it too. And I sit there and go, so does that mean that Bantha blows up? Well, I did kind of wonder why that Bantha was there, and then little did I know that's We get to the the end of the episode, we figure it out. But when we first watched it, I kind of went... At first, they checked to see if the crate Dragon's asleep. I thought it was interesting. Because he walked it... Make sure it's asleep first, because we don't want to die trying to do all this crazy stuff, right? So they make sure he's asleep first. Then they, they plant all this stuff. I was going to say, you, <laughs> the way the Mando says is the guy gives up a weird hand signal. Yeah. And <laughs> what does that mean? And then we when if we If you have, listen, you can hear it snoring. <laughs> we have the uh, probably the bravest three um, sand people I've ever seen in my life who all three of them yell at the cave to wake the thing up and then run like a bat out of hell. But the best the be- best thing is, though, is you got two guys with guns and you got a dentist. <laughs> yes, yeah. What was the dentist thinking he was going to do? Was he going to pull a teeth from the crate maybe. dragon? You know, I mean, like, maybe. I brushed your teeth for you. <laughs> hey, you need to hear your teeth brushed. Here, let me do that for you. Crunch. <laughs> maybe his plan was to let the other two get eaten, and he was going to pick the pieces out yeah. of his teeth while, yep. you know, while he got ready for the next snack. Um, so so they go running like heck, and then the, the crate dragon comes out. Now, it doesn't come out enough. Like we, and I had a feeling that was going to happen. And By the way, almost the same problem we had last season with the stupid the ATSD. Remember, it didn't come out far yeah, enough that it they like could stopped. blow it up. Stopped. It stopped before it could hit the. So trap. It, it didn't hit the hidden spot. So, and then I thought it was interesting that we took a book right out of Lord of the Rings. So here, I'm sorry, but this is right out of Lord of the Rings, where they shot all the, bows, the basilic yeah. bows right at the yeah. at the I at was the crate dragon that. I just, because that was just like the Oliphants. Remember, they they shot them into the Oliphants. I and was tried thinking to take the ladder launchers. The ladder launchers too. Yeah, they had the same idea from Helm's Deep. Yep, they had the same. So, look to them. They had those, they were using those as also to shoot other arrows rather than they just were, shooting yep. up ladders. Yep. I remember they took out a couple guys off the top towers. Yeah, yeah they were shooting them at the Didn't guys. Didn't they shoot directly. one right past the king and the yes. tower blows up and the king just like... Yeah, it just missed him. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, it makes his hair go as it goes by. He just watches. But, yeah. I, I want to tell you one thing though, Bob. What's that? Not one of those arrows came near Timothy Oliphant. You're right, it didn't. Nowhere well, they were, they were standing in the back uh, at like the top of the hill yeah, trying were. to see where things go wrong. Yeah, well, Bob was saying that they were taking out the old fonts. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I knew where you were going with that. 
I did not follow. I, I knew where he was going <laughs> with that. Not, not Timothy Oliphant, but the Oliphants <laughs> in Northern. They sound the same, but they're not. Okay, so they they try to grab the crate dragon by the ropes, which I thought was hysterical because and I'm like also, yeah, that's not good. I was waiting for the moment where both humans and the Tusken Raiders are grabbing the ropes and pulling back, and we had that team up moment. Well, they tried, we never, but I we mean, never they had that flying. moment. How are they gonna? How are they gonna? This thing is like twenty eight times their normal size. There's no way. That's why these guys <laughs> went flying everywhere. And I'm just waiting for the Wilhelm scream. The <laughs> so they finally, finally lure the crate dragon out far enough. Not before though, we find out that apparently the crate dragon does not like to use back teeth. No, because it's, it's, it's spit is pretty much like acid death. It's it's and just it part, rains acid death pretty bad. It's just part of that uh, part alien like from the aliens movies. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember yeah. the name of it. I want to say xenomorph, but I don't know. If yeah, that's it's right. kind of like oh, a xenomorph okay. that goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's what happens. Yeah, it's a dragon. There's other types of dragons that shoot other things other than flames. I get that. I'm just saying is, and one of them, and one of them spits acid out. So yeah, yeah. So apparently that's what this great dragon does. And and you get I I kind of like felt like you know every time you were like oh 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 you know because like I mean you know once these guys get hit with acid they pretty much disappear they're gone oh Goodbye. you you see a split Goodbye. second of a white skull and it slowly yeah, no, fades yeah. I'm like oh and, and, and it's also a little bit of a homage to Starship Troopers too thank you that's what I was thinking of uh, Starship Troopers a little bit. Is Starship Troopers the one with like the giant bugs giant that like bugs. stab yeah. you? Yes. Okay, uh, and I think I've seen bits and pieces The other thing I was thinking that. a little bit about, just because of the what he pointed out, was Indiana Jones, right? When their faces melted off. Uh, like, there was that kind of look <laughs> to them. Yeah. The same kind of look as they were getting eaten away but by the acid. But it's very fast. It's not slow enough no, to be it was, like... No, it was really quick, but it's it, it like was a, there if you looked for it. Blink and you'll miss it moment. <laughs> but it was... I mean, that, I was actually kind of like, that's cool. You know, like, when that, that came I, out. I just... I'm so, so the, 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 the crate dragon finally gets all the way out, and they blow up. And there's dust everywhere. There's dust everywhere. And I love how Tim the Oliphant and the Mandalorian both go, I don't think it's dead. Uh, I don't think it's and, dead. And sure enough, the thing was not dead. And they're and like, oh, crud, this and isn't going to work. it kind of almost popped up, like, up out of the mountain, and you see legs. I wanted well, to see legs like a... And then hear a dinosaur I was about to say, roar. it did disappear back into the mountain. You're kind of like, okay, what's going to happen now? And then it pops up above the mountain. You're like, oh, wow. Now, now we're really kind of like... Need, all you needed to make that scene just a slight bit more epic was a little bit of uh, Godzilla roar. <laughs> so there were two things I was thinking about there. It looked Godzilla-esque. Oh, yeah. Like almost uh, Mothra, Gam- Gamera-esque, right? The other thing I was thinking about, I don't know why I flipped to this in my head, but I went to Moana and the at the very end... Tefiti. Tefiti, you know, jumping out of the mountain, right? Like, the same idea well, she's, there. She's the lava goddess. Right, and, but, and I mean, you can kind of see where it looks. Balls, so, but yeah, it kind of looks like that. that, right? I can so, see that. I can see like that. Like I said, lots of little movie motifs that are thrown into this thing. Well, I like the fact that he's... But he's, I love that the two Mandos, they get on their jetpacks, they fly up, they start shooting into this thing, and it's like... It's not even a flea taking a bite on people. I'm sorry. I, I the dragons just kind of look at him like, "What are you doing here?" Like, why didn't he shoot for the eye? He shot, they were trying, but they were was... shooting here. They should. He shot twice, right next to the eye. It, he shot on either side of it. And that's where I have uh, a problem with continuity with this so far. Okay, Mando's gun vaporizes people. Right. So why isn't it having a bigger impact on this crate dragon? Right. Yeah, I get it. I was going to say, you see it yeah, hitting a lot. Yeah, at least to me, when he was hitting it, especially at almost point-blank range, it should at least be going, ugh. 
right? Like, well, you should have seen pieces coming off of it. At least. Yeah, but I you agree said with these. You. you saw these orange dots hitting it. I don't know if there was any residual damage. I couldn't. I couldn't see. It would be, well, y- I get what Gary's saying. No, let's just see the pieces of armor coming off of like, the creature. Pieces of it. Maybe, that would have showed you the power of that rifle that we're supposed maybe to even believe seeing, is like, so Maybe even seeing like dust powerful. glass coming off because yeah. of it being a sand monster. There would be would, dust something, all over it. Something coming okay. off of it. I right. agree with you, Gary. There's a little bit of a disconnect there. I could see that. So maybe he's using different shots than he would for. Maybe there's there. That might be the possibility. <laughs> I don't know. So they fly back to the ground, and that's when Mando decides he needs to make a sacrifice. He says, hand me that detonator. He gives gives him the detonator and basically holds on to the Bantha with all of the the, (laughs) explosives He he wasn't going to. I I honestly think he was going to last minute take off and have him him, uh, eat the But the Bantha Bantha tries to take off. But before that, he says, you're going to take care of the child. Hits the jetpack and launches Which the marshal. Is homage to what scene? <laughs> Freaking Han Solo carbon and of the breaking. Jedi. And I'd like to point out the problem with Boba Fett's jack jetpack has not been fixed yet. But that just proves that the Jawas don't know anything about jetpacks, right? Like, <laughs> so, why hasn't somebody fixed that yet? Seriously. But, but it proves that the Jawas have picked it up fairly recently to yeah, yeah. to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So it means that it's and, not... and and is it a known thing in the Mandalorian culture that Boba Fett's jetpack <laughs> must be has a problem because Mando knows it, it for some reason. Maybe maybe there's a trigger on the back of it that got hit. Who it, knows? I don't know. I just I, I would I would laugh if we find out that Mando's jetpack has a similar trigger. Maybe and that unfellow Mandalorian just clicks it as a joke like yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it, it's a Mach one and a Mach five. So yeah. Oh, okay. I see, what what the I see what you're saying. Like, but you know, so I just thought that was kind of funny and interesting. But so he stands there and he holds the bantha. Yeah, because, he, because the bantha exca- started escaping and he had to right. grab hold of it. He had to grab hold like, of it. The bantha's like, I'm out of here, man. I'm not going in there. And he spits acid. He gets swallowed up. And of course, now I'm thinking about other things. So now I'm thinking about this is like Jonah and the whale, right? Like, Oh, yeah. You mentioned that right away. Pinocchio. Didn't that happen to Pinocchio, too? Yeah. Like, he got swallowed by the whale in that one. Men in black. Men in black. My wife was immediately like, you know, swallow me. Eat me. Eat me! Eat I was, me and Will Smith was screaming. Right. <laughs> Will Smith was screaming at the worm at the end of the movie to eat the, him. The right? cricket, because it was a cricket. Yeah, it was monster. like a cricket type wormy monster thing. So yeah, so it, it had a lot of little homages there. So they, it eats him, and of course, I, I was waiting for the he, explosion to happen underground and him fly out because of the explosion. I don't know how it was going to happen, but I knew it was going to be epic, and he does. He gets eaten, and all of a right. sudden, the thing just blows up from the inside out. But but, we, but if you notice though, the gun, he was holding it in a particular spot. Not just a particular spot, but it's sending a, a, the electric electricity out of it. Right. Like a cattle prod. Kind of like the Boba Fett in the holiday special. But we've, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, going right. say, we've seen him do it before in the first episode against the monster that tried to nearly stop. Yeah, but what you're not understanding is in the holiday special, there was a creature. He wrote that creature, too, right? right? I watched that the holiday rode. special with you, Gary, Okay, so then Jeff. You, I know okay, what you're talking about. Right. He electrocutes that creature. Well, that was almost, you're right, Gary. I totally forgot about that. That was almost a direct homage to that cartoon from the holiday special right. and the way he was electrocuting it. Because it was almost shot for shot. Yeah, it was because he was supposed to be like a Beastmaster type right, of right. person at, at first. Yep. So that was interesting, too. So, I, I forgot about that little homage, too. So he too. basically forces it to open its jaw. He flies out. Well, pulls it, the, not only that, he forced it to come up out of the ground. Right. So that he could blow it up in the air. Right. Gets out, sets the detonator to blow, and flies off, and it blows up. Yep. And, and the blow up versus the first time where they had all the charges on the ground and this one... 
causes, a, I swear, a dust storm. Yeah, the only thing that would have been cooler is if he landed and, like, chunks of, like, Freight Dragon were falling, almost like, you know, the, the marshmallow falling in Ghostbusters, right? Like, that would have been cool if, like, chunks of... <laughs> Great dragon, we're still falling down like rain. That would have been a make that scene just a little cooler. So, what would have made me cooler is having him fly up and you have the explosion behind him and he's not looking at it. Like, maybe. cool guys do look at explosions. So, <laughs> so long story short, there they they wrap it up with the Tuscan Raiders <laughs> peeling the meat, peeling all the meat off. By the way, they find a pearl, which we'll explain that in a second. I didn't know anything about that. And the Mando gets the armor from Timothy Oliphant. And he puts the asset in his uh, bike, and he rides off into the sunset. And then comes the the teaser for the next episode, which we, I'm sure the internet is going to go freaking wild about we have for a, the next week. We have what is a Boba Fett with a Tusken Raider rifle and gaffy stick, right? Yep. No, we don't, well, ha- we don't have a Boba Fett. Just because it says he's Boba Fett doesn't Well, mean here's he where is. I'm going to argue with you a little bit, Gary. You ready for this one? According to IMDb, it's Tim Morrison... Who is playing the role of Boba Fett. I understand that. Alright, all you see is you see Tim Morrison turn around with the... With the uh, the two guns. Right. And what appears to be a black robe, whatever it is he's wearing. And he's essentially wearing something. And he walks away. And so you get the impression that that's supposed to be Boba Fett watching his armor fly off in a bike. Uh, So now there's a lot of questions that I'm sure are going to swirl around that. Do you think he was tracking down the Jawas that stole the armor and trying to get it back? Or did he put his armor out there to see if there were other Mandalorians around that would go track down his armor to mm. follow that person? Mm. Was it a trap mm. to find another Mando? Do you get what I'm saying I there? See what, I see what you're saying. I think there's a Jedi that's telling him that uh, he's going to meet other Mandalorians. Maybe. That's a possibility, too. So maybe, there's a lot of things. Maybe that, Ahsoka? It, it, it may not be directly through... An actual Jedi to him. Right. But a Jedi threw another Mandalorian to Boba Fett. Right. I get it. Hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, we've got confirmed on cast members for different characters that are being moved to live action. We have... Bo-Katan is known to be in this. Right. There's a confirmed... Played by by Katie Sackhoff. There was a confirm I heard for a Sabine Wren character. No. No? There's no confirmation on Sabine Wren on this. No. But there is a confirmation that Rosario Dawson is playing as uh, Sokotano. So that's the just... only two that have been confirmed. The other I... ones are all rumors at this oh, point. Oh, I thought the Ezra one that I heard was a nope. confirmed rumor at this point. Oh. Uh, all rumor. All rumor. Oh. Oh. However, the people they're casting look like Sabine and Ezra. I'm not, I'm not playing it out and saying, well, it ain't going to happen. What I'm saying is... It's not confirmed. It's not confirmed yet. Okay. And I cannot get anybody to confirm. Which, this is one of the few times, and I will say this, one of the few times that I cannot get anybody to to take the lid off of anything in Star Wars, there's nothing coming out as far as like leaks from the set, do people you, talking about it, do they've you, got a lid on this. Do you wonder that if Favreau and J.J. are both sitting here going, you guys reveal any information about this, JJ J.J. has nothing to do with this. No? I thought he did. No. This no. is Favreau and Filoni. Oh. Right. Right, JJ is not touching this with a ten foot pole. As a matter of fact, there I, think, was, there was... I think that was the plan by Filoni all along. Yes. He does not okay. want JJ touching the Mandalorian. Okay. Um, My apologies. I I think that image. I'll I'll still say this until I'm blue in the face. Mm-hmm. That it's not Boba. What Tem walking away? Yes. Okay. Who do you think that is? Rex. 
Ooh, maybe. It could be also a different clone. We could see Kicks for all we know. Yeah, or just a clone. We don't, you know what I mean? That right. could be a possibility too. But Rex would be an interesting one too. Because then we could connect that with the whole Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. scene where Rex is there. Yes. Right? Yep. And then confirm that, that Rex has been around. Well, all this I thought Filoni confirmed that with Rebels. Because. Well, I mean, it was, like. It was in an he, after. He, he did. He did. I was going to say, he at did. the end of the last episode, he confirmed. He did, but Lucas has never really said that, yes, that was his intent. You know what I mean? Right. Like. There's it, Filoni could say anything he wants and be like, sure, yeah, that's him. Well, he's you know got I mean? like, he's got Rex in the right but, outfit and gear. But the, I get it. But the thing is, though, is uh, Filoni's got more power than Lucas does. Right At now. this point, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as far so, as the franchise concerned. Yep. Here's one thing I have a question for you guys, and I kind of was like thinking about this as we were watching it. So the whole first season, a lot of people complained to an extent that the asset kind of stole the show, right? Like it was all about the asset and nothing more. Well, he's adorable. In this episode, the asset really didn't play much of a role at all, right? Like, he didn't save the Mando in any way. He didn't no, do anything at all. I, I was waiting do for... Do you think that was kind of a plus for them to have at least one episode where the asset's just the asset, right? Like, it's just a baby. It's not saving anybody. It's not using the Force. It's not making fire go away. It's I, just I was there. waiting for it to lift the Great Dragon up a little bit to help them. Well, okay, let me ask you guys this question. Do you guys see any underlying attitude with the mess up he's getting funnier he's being more childish what are you bob i think he's a little more standoffish than he was the first time around like maybe he doesn't want to uh use the force and reveal that too much that's i'm wondering if that's yeah kind of his attitude right now i'm not catching that at all okay what What are you catching catching? he doesn't like violence well that's why i say that yeah i don't think he likes violence either I was gonna say when he. I think that that's whole... why he stopped using the force. Wait, 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 when you see the uh, the Gamorreans fighting, he was appalled by it. Yes, yeah, I did see that. When and he, uh, he kind of seems to hide himself from fighting, especially with he, the he, brawl. even even fighting the the Kray dragon, he was appalled to it. Yep. Yeah, he kept uh, looking away or or All tucking right. his head down, and I mean, he was scared. I, yes, I was gonna say I think that's fear more than anything, but, but I can see your advocation for that. But I don't, I don't see him acknowledging the violence, right? Like he did in the first season. Do you now, think, to an extent, don't you think Yoda was kind of a pacifist too? Yes, because Yoda didn't. Yoda yeah. never really wanted to fight. He only ever used it. Remember, because. Uh, you know, it was always for knowledge and defense, never for attack, right? Like, that was always Yoda's mantra. And when Luke goes, I'm looking for a great warrior. Wars don't make you great. Right. Yeah. yeah. So Yoda himself is a pacifist. So, again, that's culture I'm thinking might be pacifist. I was going to say, I think that's both culture. I think for the asset, it's kind of like after the situation where he nearly killed... uh, Cara Dune yeah. in, a, in a freaking maybe arm wrestling. Sca- maybe he scared himself during that yeah. scene that he almost killed somebody. And the other thing I can think of is Yoda's form for fighting in force combat is Ataru. Ataru is based on wall agility and stuff like that. But it also has the, the passive ability is more about focusing on internal knowledge over external knowledge. I'll go one step internal further. force versus the scout troopers beat the crud out of him. Yes. At the end of the last season, right? Yeah. I'm wondering if that maybe had some sort of an impact on him, maybe too. Some, you know I mean? Maybe like, some brain trauma? Well, just feeling helpless. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, when you're feeling helpless. And then and then he felt like he had no choice, you know, but to to uh, defend himself or others. Yeah. So I just... Yeah, you're right, Gary. I, do, I could see that. I could see where he's starting to kind of be pacifistic here. And you can kind of see that in the way he's reacting to things. 
Um, now, is he still as cute as a button? Absolutely. Is he? Uh, made, did, he absolutely. Make, did he make as in, big an impact here as he did almost all of season one? No, I don't think he did. But you know what? It seemed to work. I actually kind of liked it. It didn't feel overpowering, him. but it felt like well, I, right I, timing to cause a little bit of humor. I am glad that he didn't use the the force to drag the Craig, Craig Dragon out. I agree. Or to hold him over the, a certain spot or whatever. You know, I was I was glad that didn't happen. I'm I'm worried. I was worried all last season that we were gonna he was gonna start being like Mace Windu from the Tartakovsky series, right? Like where Mace was like God, right? Yeah. Like nothing could happen to him. And I'm still worried that that's where they're gonna go with the asset. And I hope they don't go there. I, I still want them. I want them to show him being drained if he uses the Force, or really choosing yeah. not to use it at all if he can afford not and to th- use it. That you know? is one thing. In Legends, that Luke talks about by Master Yoda, he says that you can only be a conduit of the Force for so long. After a certain period of time, you exhaust yourself. Yep. Well, that, that explains why you see the asset holding the fire away from everybody. Right. And then, and then he's like, like yeah. immediately turns to a ragdoll. And then yep. when Grief Karga's like, do the magic hand thing, he just thinks, oh, hi. And <laughs> and if you watch rewatch the fight between Palpatine and Yoda... Yoda is Yoda's exhausted after Yoda is really exhausted after it. Yep. Especially when he's fleeing, he's out and of I breath. And I still think if you look at the CGI carefully, he actually looks like he ages. Yes. From the time before the fight till the time after the fight. So I actually think that every time he uses his powers to fight, it ages him further in his life. Well, I, I don't think it was just the, the use of the, the the force, but the the lightning from uh, well, Palpatine. That might, yeah, that I could see too. Yeah, because uh, is, is it did it to Palpatine in it as well. Because yep. when Mace redirected it, it aged Palpatine. Okay, so with all that in mind, let's let's rate this episode again. Zeros that don't bother, tens a must see. Anybody want to go first on this one? Austin can go. Okay, okay. Austin, you're voted to go first. Where would you rate this one? <laughs> I'm going to put it at ten. It's a perfect start for the season. Wow. You, you, you set the bar high for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, you did. I guess. really did. Right? The humor with the asset was perfectly timed. It didn't feel forced. The reason I bring that up is sometimes Jar Jar's humor during the prequels felt forced. He's not this, Jar Jar, though. I know he's not Jar Jar. Okay. But I'm so, going... so, so don't don't compare him. Right, you're comparing apples and oranges. Sorry. Just keep going. The fight choreography, spot on. A lot of this stuff is very reminiscent and realistic. It would actually fit in a real fight scene if you were in that situation watching the Krake guy being taken down kind of very awe-inspiring I've never okay watched that and seeing the Mando have to be able to negotiate between both Tuscans and humans to be able to form a bit of a piece to create a okay. alliance if you will alright so I would give this one an 8 you know not the best episode of the Mandalorian but it wasn't awful either actually I thought it was a good start to the season gets me interested it left me on a cliffhanger uh there were a lot of things though that i i was kind of still wondering you know why did we do it this way why did we do it that way i still think their plan for trying to take the crate dragon down was a little lame I, I i don't know i would have wanted something a little more sophisticated than hitting it with a bunch of crossbows you know and i did like the boba fett homage i liked timothy oliphant's character i hope he shows up again later on without the armor i'd actually be okay with that his character seems pretty cool I liked the way the Mando interacted. I, I liked the role the asset played. I honestly, the only thing I was a little disappointed were a couple of little minor things. I wanted to see the whole crate dragon before it blew up. Like, I want to see the whole creature, not just the head, 
the whole thing. I don't think we ever got a shot where you saw the whole body. I get it's massive. I get it's huge. But show me the huge. Show me I, just how big it really, really is. I think in episode four when there was a situation with Obi-Wan, you see a great dragon skeleton. Yes. But again, I've never it, seen a whole body of a I don't think dragon. there's really legs on it. Okay, so show me the wormy part of the body. Have it come up out of the ground and, you know what I mean? Something. I wanted okay. to see the whole thing. Okay. I, I wanted to see more of the crate Dragon a little bit. I, I, I agree with Gary about the power of the rifle. I actually was going to bring that up. I'm glad you brought it up. And, yeah, there were a couple other minor things that I, I wish could have been better. I still don't like the Gamorrean guards at the beginning. They oh, just yeah. seemed weak. But, you know, overall, a fairly decent episode. So that's why I was given an 8. So, Gary, what would you give this one? I'm giving it a 7. Okay. And... The gun, the, the inconsistencies with the gun. Why didn't they just get like an e-web or something and set that up to shoot the, the creek dragon when he comes out? Right. I mean, I understand the explosives and stuff because it's a mining camp, but I think they could have gotten an e-web or something along there too. Just more blasters in general. I just heavy, right? Blasters. Heavy blasters. Yeah. Right. Not little uh, pistols. Maybe a bit of uh, limitation because Tusken Raiders don't like them. Possibly. Well, we're saying the people from the camp. Yeah. I'm saying maybe the Tuscans wouldn't let that. Uh, no. no. I agree with you, Bob. I, for a crate Dragon to be able to swallow uh, a Bantha, mm-hmm. it didn't look that big. Right. Yeah. All right. I wanted it to be bigger, and like you said, I'd like to see what it all looked like outside of the sand. Because, I mean, I get we're only seeing the head, but that doesn't give me a... Perspective. Thank you. Perspective of size is what right. I wanted to see. Yeah. The ending... I think they are jumping the shark too soon with Boba, okay. you know, Tamir Tom- Morrison. I think what what has really shocked everybody else would have been if it was the assassin uh-huh. from the first first season. I was thinking that might be her too showing up, you know, because you know, she's still I, out there, right? Like, yeah, because we have he, he came no, he came and took her. <laughs> no body, no death. We saw right. her body, but but she's not dead. We well, we, did, sure. we, we didn't even see the blaster hit her. Right. The blaster fire hit her. Right. So, did it hit her or, or not? Again, Gary's rule, no body, no death. Right. Right. So, it's, I, as far as I'm concerned, she's still out there. I agree with Same you. Same here. Yeah. Yeah, just, I love the, the homages to the old movies. R5 was an awesome ad, addition to it. Um, the speeder bike with the <laughs> pod racing engine. Yep. It was awesome, too. Mm-hmm. Because I've always... Whenever I play Warhammer, I always get yelled at because I take my army takes the spoils of war and use them for their own purposes and stuff. Absolutely. Oh, and, oh you can't do that. Why not? <laughs> Nothing in the rule says you can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, it, is it against the D and D rule to do that? <laughs> it's against the Warhammer rules. Warhammer rules you're not supposed to. So, if you get if you're playing a homebrew game, then it, it's fine. But yeah, but yeah, that, that, that's what I like seeing is. Other technology being used for other things. purposes, yeah. So cool. Okay, so those were our thoughts about season two, episode one of The Mandalorian. The Marshall. Uh, we hope you all enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. So, again, you can email us at galaxycast.gmail.com. Contact us through Facebook, find us on Twitter, or you can find us on YouTube and make some comments. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, that's right, this whole episode was about one episode of The Mandalorian, but I thought we should dedicate our time to that and mm-hmm. and really kind of focus in on this episode. That and it had a running time of 55 minutes, so I knew it was going to take us some time uh, to watch this episode. So, 
With all of that being said, this is this episode of the Galaxy Cast, and as we like to say here in the Star Production Studios, may the force be with those who listen. Shazam! Jedi Master Killer Dillion and his family. Narf! Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this show. Were it not for you, our loyal listeners, this show would not exist. We appreciate your time and want to hear from all of you, since our podcast is by fans and for fans. Head on over to our website at galaxycast.com to find out more about our show. Write to the show by sending an email to galaxycast at gmail.com. If you have something positive to say, use the subject line, We so like and use a show. If you have a complaint, make your subject line, You failed me for the last time. And look for the Galaxy Cast on social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and other media soon to come. Carry on, wayward travelers. Warp Factor 2. First star to the left, straight on till morning.